reading feedback and people thanking us because, you know, we helped them avoid eviction or, you know, they didn't have to decide between paying rent and like feeding their kids that month. Right. I mean, that's just something you don't get everywhere. Johnny Ray Austin loves the mission at Till, where he serves as chief technology officer. Till is a platform that helps renters stay in their homes. Fundamentally, what we do is we provide a way to pay rent much more conveniently and in a way that's more in line with people's positive cash flow. That's our underlining value proposition. Today, Johnny Ray Austin joins us to share how Till has learned to convey trust through their product and user experience, how it uses interesting data to decide who to lend to, and how COVID and rent moratoriums affected Till's roadmap and growth. Oh, and he'll also tell us why he almost turned down the job. It was just like, of course not. The answer is no, flat out. Welcome to Crafted, a show about great products and the people who make them. I'm your host, Dan Blumberg. I'm a product and engagement lead at Artium, where my colleagues and I help companies build fantastic software and recruit dynamic teams. Before we get into Till, there was something I was curious about. Johnny Ray's social media handle is Recursive Funk. Yeah, Recursive Funk is interesting. Basically, the way I explain it is it's trying to address the split brain. Obviously, I um, am an engineer by trade. I really like numbers and uh, computer science and like highly technical concepts. But on the flip side, I'm really into like music, particularly like jazz and just things that are artsy. I really embrace both sides of that persona. Johnny Ray is also passionate about social inclusion. He gives his time to Black Girls Code and Bite Back, two organizations that promote empowerment through technology. So how did he react when Till first reached out to him? When I read the job record, you know, it was all about loans. And I, you know, I was like triggered by the word loan and then clicking onto the website and just seeing like a stack of cash, like just kind of reinforced that reaction. And so for me, it was just like, of course not. The answer is no flat out. And I'm not going to go work for someone who's going to, you know, take advantage of people, particularly people who, you know, are failing to pay rent. But the recruiter convinced him to meet with co-founder David Sullivan. I figured I'd at least take the meeting and so I met with David, you know, for a couple hours um, in Chinatown here in D.C. just to kind of get a feel for what his vision was for the product and the platform um, and just kind of fell in love with the mission. At that point, Till was only a couple of years old. And if the optics of this new service were a problem for Johnny Ray, he knew they would also be a problem for potential customers. They knew exactly what they were doing and what the mission was and what they were trying to accomplish. But helping convey that and actually build a product that, you know, helped convey that message as well was really important. And that was the very thing that they were missing in, which is, you know, the reason they were talking to me. So what's the mission that Johnny Ray fell in love with? You know, the mission statement, you know, is to help renters pay, stay and thrive in their homes, which does sound really good. But what does that really mean? The value proposition is that, you know, what we found when we were operating sort of like the early versions of Till is that when people fail to pay rent in this country, it's not generally because they don't have any money. It's because they don't have all of the money on the first of the month, which is when landlords prefer to get paid. Obviously, this is the way it's, it's worked for a very long time. What we found is the problem is fundamentally a cash flow alignment, 
right? People have a lot of bills. Rent is generally their biggest bill. And so they generally do prioritize it, but it puts them in a very precarious situation the rest of the month with regard to other obligations, whether it be groceries, health bills, school tuition, whatever. What we wanted to do was find a way to make this biggest obligation something much more manageable. So we wanted to even out how people deal with rent over the course of the month. Fundamentally, what we do is we provide a way to pay rent much more conveniently and in a way that's more in line with people's positive cash flow. That's our underlining value proposition. And then for landlords, can you describe what the value proposition is for them? Well, we de-risk their portfolios. So for a landlord, if you know that your residents are, if they have a tool at their disposal that allows them to pay rent in a way that's more in line with their positive cash flow, all of a sudden you have renters that are much more likely to succeed in paying that rent. To make this happen, Till operates as a middleman between tenant and landlord. The tenant signs up and chooses a payment plan and Till gives them a line of credit. Till then pays their landlord. Immediately, the resident is made whole in the eyes of their landlord. They're good to go. There's no risk of late fees. There's no risk of eviction or anything like that. And then we work with the renter to create a schedule that's more convenient for them, for them to pay that same rent amount during the course of the month. And then as long as they pay that obligation by the end of the month, you know, whether it's towards the beginning, in the middle, whether it's back heavy, we don't really care. It's all about you. It's personalization. We do the dance all over again the following month. We renew the line of credit. You pay the subscription fee, we pay the landlord, and then you pay us over the course of the month and all over and over and over again. There's some similarities here to the buy now, pay later industry, companies like Affirm, Klarna, Afterpay. Where does that analogy work and where does it not work? We don't facilitate a purchase the way BNPL does, right? This is a line of credit that's only used for rent, and we come into the picture post-transaction, right? So you've already signed the lease with your landlord saying, I agree to pay this amount of money every single month. Um, We don't change that. We don't add to that transaction or anything like that. We just help you pay that same transaction down. Whereas like BNPL could arguably encourage people to facilitate transactions that they normally would not if that BNPL structure was not there. The other big differentiator is we don't allow the concept of like debt stacking, right? So if you were to go to you know, Macy's and use BNPL to like check out, then you can go like to some online watch store and use the same BNPL provider to, you know, take out money to pay for that watch or whatever. We don't allow you to do that, right? You can only use it for rent and you can only use one line of credit at a time. So in that way, it's the only way that we think we can do this responsibly and we want to do it responsibly because remember, you know, we're trying to keep people in their homes, not put them in debt that they can't pay back. So just to spell out the like concerns of like BNPL, you sort of alluded to it, but like I think the criticism is you see a, a firm or Klarna or Afterpay or one of the 12 dozen other ones on a Peloton checkout site and you buy a Peloton that you couldn't afford. And now you're stuck with, you know, payments to your BNPL provider and you got to pay for that Peloton that you probably shouldn't have bought in the first place. So how do you do it in a responsible way? Like how do you approach this? It's all about, you know, going back to principles and always understanding that Obviously, keeping renters in their home is like the main thing, right? If it doesn't serve that purpose, then it's a non-starter. But there's also another thing we talk about, you know, internally, you know, it has to be a win-win-win, right? It has to be a win for residents, a win for our partners, and a win for Till, right? 
A win for residents is it keeps them in their homes. It doesn't burden them with undue debt. A win for our partners, that's de-risking the portfolio. But also has to be a win for Till. One of the things that we've always wanted to put forth was how do we get to profitable unit economics, right? Obviously, we're a startup. We're not going to be profitable from day one. But having a business that is uh, that has an eye towards profitability is super important. So that's a win for us. And so because of this, we do charge a subscription fee. So it's not a free service that we just put people on and maybe we serve ads or something like that. It's, you know, you get a service for a fee. And so these are the things we ask ourselves constantly before we, you know, change the product structure or consider doing whatever else we're going to do on the platform. What are some of the hardest challenges that you're facing? And I'm especially curious how you figure out who you should be working with, whether that's renters, I imagine there's some people who apply, but they get turned down, or maybe the same thing happens with landlords as well. On the landlord side, um, that can be a tricky one. Obviously, we want to work with landlords who um, who are responsible and ethical. I mean, how do you measure that? It's really hard to say. A lot of this has to do with the relationships, pre-existing relationships the uh, co-founders have with a lot of landlords and property management companies. That can be hard to assess out, but we also try to make sure that we're doing the right thing there. So if we start working with the landlord and we find out that they're doing something they're not supposed to, we have a really good partner uh, engagement team that you know engages with them to try to figure out what the root of the problem is. Like we fired landlords before, flat out. You know, because of things that we, you know, we didn't think that were right on behalf of the residents. And so that is something we were willing to do. We have done it before and we'll probably continue to do it in the future. Um, With renters, it's a lot more nuanced, right? Because, you know, we have to make sure, obviously, we're catching people who need help. But we also need to make sure that, you know, we are catching people who are actually who actually want to pay us back. So there's a difference between someone who is unwilling or unable to pay rent. We always want the people who are willing but unable for whatever reason. Until has identified other non-traditional indicators of creditworthiness. We do, you know, look at credit, things like that, but we also look at other things. Rental payment history is a big one, right? Because credit history alone doesn't give you a full picture of a resident. I think this is where a lot of the existing platforms kind of fall short and they don't give you a full picture of someone's priorities. And a lot of that has to do with people prioritizing rent over other things. So like maybe that derogatory credit is some Planet Fitness membership that they let go into collections a year ago. We don't care about that, frankly. Um, you know, it's a problem if you're underwriting people for credit to for a gym membership, but not for rent. And so it allows us to really personalize outcomes for people and take their personal situations into account so that we can expand the circle of people with whom we can ultimately work. Till has also found that it needs to be careful when lending to people who are in the final month of their contract. And just like banks that require a down payment before offering a mortgage, Till has found it's less risky if they require lenders to pay 15 to 20% upfront. The reason why we do this is we found very, very strong correlation of success with people who have a little bit more skin in the game. So the people who pay the upfront payment are vastly much more likely to continue on with the program and pay us throughout the month and then re-enroll in following months rather than people who do not pay that upfront payment. There's enough correlation of those people being unsuccessful subsequently that we just made it a hard and fast rule that if you don't pay the upfront payment, we won't enroll you in, in, in the products. When Till introduces new features or changes to its algorithm, it has to do so very carefully. 
people out there are smart. And so whenever we change a rule in, in, the, in the product, there's always going to be a certain amount of fraud. People will always find a way within the first month of the change to take advantage of the system. You know, we have no eviction powers. And so people know this, right? And so a lot of people will, you know, come to us, borrow for a month, let their landlord get paid and then pay us nothing back. Right. Um, like we see that every so often. I mean, it's not widespread, but it is it's a thing that happens. And so we may look at behavioral data to kind of figure out, well, if this person is in the last month, you know, is this something they're trying to do to kind of, you know, help them with their expenses to move? I mean, people have reasons for this. Of course, to even get to the screening phase, Till first has to reach new potential customers and convince them to trust this startup that they've probably never heard of to, again, pay their rent on time so they don't get evicted. We're very small, vast majority of people have never heard of Till. And so it can be a bit nerve wracking for residents to kind of trust that this company on this separate website is actually gonna go and like pay your rent on your behalf. And if you pay us, you know, everything will work out fine. Um, and so we had to test language, different versions of the UI that, you know, um, translated that trust in such a way that, you know, allow people to kind of come on board. When the pandemic arrived and people started losing their jobs, demand for Till's guarantees shot up. But there was a leaky bucket problem. People were really antsy. Landlords were panicking at this point, And it was just like a lot of demand for what we were offering at that time. And so rolling this out to different communities, just sort of out of nowhere, you know, had some very mixed results in terms of whether or not people trusted us. And we started to see this by looking at just the engagement data. So the team changed the messaging to convey more trustworthiness and adjusted the onboarding sequence as well. When we were looking at this data, one of the, the big steps that we saw was this step where we would obviously ask for KYC information, but also the big one was um, payment information. Right. When was the right time to ask people to essentially link their bank account? Because this is how people generally, you know, pay rent on our platform. And we found that we were just doing this way too early. Right. We were basically, you know, asking for, you know, we knew your name and address, but we were like confirming this information. Then immediately it was like, all right, how are you going to pay us? And we just saw people just falling off completely at that step. So they dug into the build, measure, learn cycle and ran experiments. And if all of your experiments work, you probably didn't take enough risk. So we had a one failed experiment. What we did was we would ask people a few pieces of information and then we would sort of like give them the impression kind of that, you know, they were essentially done. They were already enrolled. So we had this whole, we had a confetti thing. This is so silly. We were like, we had this confetti step, like, great, you did it, you're done. Now give us your payment information. And like it helped a little bit, but not as much as we thought, but it created a different problem. When people saw the confetti, they thought they were done, but then they would just leave. So we would never actually get their payment information. They would, wouldn't actually finish the process. And so this is something we learned just by trial and error, looking at the data. Eventually, they got the user experience right and plugged that leaky onboarding bucket. Fast forward to today, and the big challenge is... Scaling. We had been in this phase so long of, you know, is this the right version of the product? And then COVID came around with the um, eviction moratorium. Then we stopped offering credit and then we had that version. And right when that was getting traction, the end of the eviction moratorium was in sight. And, you know, landlords wanted to get paid in full on the first again. So now we had to think about a different version. 
The ever-changing landscape of lockdowns and rent moratoriums made steady growth difficult for Till. So we never really got to a place where we can hit the stride and scale we wanted to because we had to change the product so much. I mean, you know, now we have really good product market fit. Residents love this version of the product. Landlords obviously love this version of the product. Like we're all in on this version. It's really great. We have a partners who are like ready to go. They're ready to build with us. They want to like, you know, we're talking, you know, millions and millions of units, you know, ready to come on the platform. Like, and so now we're transitioning out of this, you know, try it, see if it works, experimental phase and, you know, really solidifying our product structure and scaling that to where we need it to be. Like that's kind of where we are right now. So that's the biggest challenge. So things we were doing before just don't really work at the scale we're going to be at in the next three to six months. It's a good problem to have. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it is a challenge we have today. So how does that challenge hit you in the face? Is it you have to refactor lots of things? Like, wh- Or where is the scaling problem? Yeah, it's mostly technical because it really has to do with, so since we've had these different versions of the product, like these different versions kind of were existing within the same code base. Any engineers you know, are listening, then they know exactly what the problem is. And now you have all these different code paths depending on the version of the product that's being used. And we have these feature flags. And so it, it can you know, be pretty hairy. And so uh, some things are being refactored. Many things are just being rewritten. We're re-evaluating everything from like data models and ownership and, and things like that. The good news is we've learned a lot. And so a lot of the things we want to do, we know exactly what we need to do. So it's not as if it's it's going to take a long time, but it's just a lot of work to get there. Different partners means, you know, different data flows. There's going to be a lot more data. So the data pipelines we had before no longer are equipped to work with the amount of data we're going to be pulling in um, here in the next few months. So those have to be rethought. And so that's really the problem we have before us. You know, can we build fast enough to keep pace with the demand? Yeah. I imagine people that join Till are attracted by the mission of Till. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious how you incorporate that as part of like, there's like highly technical work, but it, it ladders up to a, a bigger vision. And I'm, I'm curious how you bring those two together. So when I'm pitching candidates uh, in general, I start with the mission. It's really important that everyone is mission aligned and wants to actually accomplish this because one, we're a startup, right? People can always go somewhere else and find a bigger paycheck and all this other stuff. And um, and that's fine if that's you know what you're optimizing for. There's no judgment there, but that's not where we can compete. But where, where we can compete is we are legitimately making a difference in people's lives. We literally have Slack channels where we get, you know, uh, feedback from residents and reading feedback and people thanking us because, you know, we helped them avoid eviction or, you know, they didn't have to decide between paying rent and like feeding their kids that month. That's impact. You can't, you know, no Google salary can cover, right? I mean, that's just something you don't get everywhere. And we're very proud of that. And so that's something I lead with. And so when I'm talking to candidates, it's like, first and foremost, here's who we are. This is the impact we have on the world, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, by the way, this is our tech stack. These are things that are important. And obviously people need to show that they're skilled in that way. But the most important thing is that mission alignment. And that's resonated well with the people who are here. So we're a small but mighty team. And I think we, we punch well above our weight. Johnny Ray, thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. That's Johnny Ray Austin, Chief Technology Officer at Till. And this is Crafted from Artium. 
At Artium, we build incredible products, recruit high-performing teams, and help you achieve the culture of craft you need to build great software long after we're gone. We artisans love partnering with creative people to build their visions of the future. If you've got an opportunity you'd like to discuss or just want to learn more about us, check us out at thisisartium.com or drop us a line at hello at thisisartium.com. This podcast is new and we'd love your support. If you like today's episode and hey, you've made it this far, maybe text a few craft-minded friends a link to the show. And please subscribe and join us as we highlight more great products and the people who make them. I'm Dan Blumberg. This is Crafted. See you next time.